From the U.S. Army, a national touring band and rock radio programmer, it's Nick Summers. And this is The Right Side of Rock. Here's Nick Summers. Now, if you're a music fan and a fan of one particular band, it's fun to go back, especially if you discover the band about midway through their career. Then you get interested in, well, I wonder what they sounded like on their first couple of albums. And you go back. I specifically did that with one band. I kind of discovered them in their heyday and then went back and bought their earlier albums. Music was different back then. Record companies saw potential in a band and they kind of, it maybe took an album or two, maybe even three, before the band had any kind of commercial success or before the band even found their groove and got that sound that they're famous for. It's different nowadays because bands today at least ones that are backed by the record company, not necessarily independent bands. You don't have a hit with your first album. Generally, the label drops all interest. They always say, you've got your whole life to write your first album and six months to write your second. And there's some truth to that. Many bands' first albums, and then consequently debut singles, sometimes are some of their best work ever. But you go back to the 60s and 70s, and you'll find a lot of bands where it took them a little while to get their groove. And then about three, four albums into the band's career, sometimes their sound is so drastically different, and you can hear it. And that's what makes it fun, especially if you're a latecomer to one particular band. You go back and listen to their earlier stuff, and it's like, whoa, it's almost a different sounding band. The young fresh ideas that come from that band perhaps six seven years earlier sound drastically different than maybe some of the commercially successful more popular stuff that the band is currently into again this is retrospectively taking a look at at the band's career i thought it'd be fun to go back and take a look or rather a listen to some very huge bands and their first singles debut singles this is the first time we've ever heard these bands whether it be on radio or Later on MTV, this was it. You know what they say about first impressions, right? Now, some of these bands, their first stuff ended up being their best, whether it be stylistically, whether it be commercial success, what have you. And some bands, like our first one right here, The Eagles, certainly it's one of their best songs, their debut single from 1972, but you could hear exactly what they would become. And they build on that style. They build on that sound. Their songwriting improves, but it's not too far removed from the early stuff like this. The Eagles, released in 1972, their debut single, Take It Easy. interesting is we're going to go through this list of of what i think are the are the really important debut singles for many of these big name bands is the ones i've selected don't particularly sound that different from where they ended up in their careers if you think about it there's a couple but most of these bands continue to this day if they're still touring and still playing include these songs in their set lists and while it's their earlier stuff again It sounds pretty close to where they ended up in their career. Great example. 
1969, Led Zeppelin, their debut single, Good Times, Bad Times. example of what I think is probably some of their best work. Maybe not as commercially successful because in the 80s, they were all over MTV, extremely radio-friendly songs. This isn't as slick as far as the production, but I think personally it's some of their best stuff. From their debut album, The Cars, this is just what I needed. I don't mind you coming here Wasting all my time Cause when you're standing the late great bass player and co-lead vocalist from the cars now we move into what probably became the biggest and i think it is the biggest debut album ever for a band in rock and roll history and this guy is a genius he's got his master's degree in engineering he built his own recording studio in an apartment basement in the early 70s he worked for the polaroid company as a senior product design engineer and his little side project was music. He went on to develop the Schultz Research and Development uh, Incorporated, which uh, if any guitar players remember the Rockman brand stuff, it was kind of like a Walkman. Remember the Sony Walkman? You can pop your tapes in, later your CDs, and it just sounded incredible in, you know, in your headphones. He did the same thing for guitar playing. It was called the Rockman. You'd plug your guitar in one side of it, you'd plug your headphones in the other, and it was, I mean, you almost sounded like Tom Schultz. It had that sound to it. It got sold off later, and some of those products are still not the same, but he he came up with the Power Soak, which allowed your amplifiers to sound really, tube amps sound the best when they're cranked up. Well, you can't always do that, especially if you're playing at home or in a small club. It'll just blow everybody out of the water. So what this device did was it allowed you to stick it between the amplifier and the speakers. You could turn your amp up to get that perfect, you know, where the tubes are just singing. But then you had the power soak where you could adjust the volume to the speakers. It's pretty good. It's, it, it, it's hard on your tubes, but it sounds pretty cool if you got a lot of money to replace your tubes all the time. Nevertheless, he basically recorded all of these in his basement studio as demos and then hired some musicians to come in and fill in the gaps. The record company said, oh, yeah, it's great. But we think we need you to come in and do these in a major studio. He said, sure, no problem. He basically lied and released the demos with a few finishing touches on it. And it became, like I said, one of the biggest debut albums ever in rock history. And I'm talking about his band, Boston. 
and their debut single. This goes against the norm where the band progresses and gets better as they go along. I think their best work is on their first album. More Than a Feeling, debut single, 1976. I woke up this morning The Right Side of Rock with Nick Summers. Now, this guy had quite the history in rock music already, fronting the band. Perhaps you heard of them? Black Sabbath. He was basically written off, drugged out, drunk, in a hotel room until Sharon Osbourne pretty much rescued him and resurrected his career. This was released in September of 1980. It came to the States a couple of months later in 1981. And is synonymous. This is the song. When people think of Ozzy Osbourne, they think of this song. And it's the debut single. It was written by Osbourne, Randy Rhodes, and Bob Daisley. The lyrics deal with the subject of the Cold War and fear of annihilation that existed during this period. Some people say Blizzard of Oz, the name of the album, which was supposed to be the band's name. But the record company said, nope, we're going to make this Ozzy. And then Blizzard of Oz was the name of the album. They wanted to be... Not a solo project, but they just wanted to highlight that it was Ozzy Osbourne. Some say that this is his best stuff ever on that first album. Hard to argue with that. Randy Rhodes, are you kidding me? Little side funny note here. Randy Rhodes was was messing around with the Steve Miller band, Swingtown. You remember that song? He kind of took that riff, sped it up, messed around. The next thing you know, Randy took it to a whole nother level and ended up writing the Crazy Train riff. It's in the top 10 of the greatest guitar solos ever, and it's Crazy Train. Debut single from Ozzy Osbourne. All aboard! <laughs> I, 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 I,
an interesting story as we're doing debut singles. The first time we ever get to hear some of our favorite bands, this is what they presented to us for the first time. Sometimes the record label, most cases, especially back in the 70s and even a little bit into the 80s, they decide what the first single is going to be. Now you have independent labels, independent production. You know, a lot of times they'll decide what they want to have as their first single or, you know, they always say you're, your best foot forward first. This is an example of a song that was pretty successful when it was first released, but then it got re-released and featured a top 40 edit, and it became even bigger, and it became the group's first top 10 effort. So it was released twice, pretty successful the first time, considering, but then it just blew up the second time. Who is it? It's Aerosmith. Power ballad Dream On from their 73 debut album Aerosmith. It was written by lead singer Steven Tyler, and the song was their first major hit. Now, obviously, it's a classic rock staple. It peaked at number 59 the first time, but then it ended up being a top 10 hit three years later in 1976, all because of the quote-unquote 45 single edit. You remember what 45s are? All right, just check it. So here it is, Aerosmith and Dream On. Recorded in 1972, released... Mid-1973. Listening to The Right Side of Rock with Nick Summers. We're doing debut singles from some of your favorite bands. This band, I actually preferred their earlier stuff. When I heard this album, and this is a case where I went back to discover the earlier stuff, and it's kind of thanks to MTV. I was introduced to Def Leppard from their High and Dry album, and I thought that was a great rock and roll record. It had elements of ACDC. You could hear early elements of what they would become known for. Real big pop vocals kind of thing, but real heavy guitar. By the time Pyromania came out and blew up on MTV, their sound had softened a bit. And they're not apologetic uh, over it whatsoever. 
They always wanted to be basically a rock band that was hugely successful and popular. They literally ignored much of their early stuff as they went through touring through like the late 80s all the way through now. Now they're a little more retrospective and and you'll hear them do a couple of tracks from their earlier albums. High and Dry featured Bring It On The Heartbreak. That was kind of their big first major minor hit, however you want to look at it. But it had great songs on it. The whole album is just, I think it's incredible, to be honest with you. And these were young kids. Late teens, early 20s by the time they did High and Dry. But there's a little-known first album called On Through the Night, produced by Tom Allen. That guy produced Judas Priest, by the way. It did pretty well in the UK. Not bad here in the States either. Number 51 on the Billboard 200. I think their best song off that album, On Through the Night, is Rock Brigade. Great song. But that was their third single. The first single, Wasted. Think about this for a minute. This is the same band that really, five, six, seven years later, was bringing us hysteria with Love Bites, Pour Some Sugar On Me. I mean, it's this is a harder-edged sound from a band that went on to be kind of a pop rock band, really. Recorded in 1979, believe it or not, and released early 1980. This is Wasted. Unfortunately, some bands come and go pretty quickly, whether it be just their star was lit and burned fast, drugs, death, you name it. But you can hear the genius that is Jimi Hendrix even on his very first single. And not much changed in his very short career. Certainly his guitar playing was stellar. But his debut single, and many people may not know this, was actually Hey Joe. From the Are You Experienced album, 1967, Jimi Hendrix debut single. Hey Joe, where you going with that gun of yours? Hey Joe, I said where you going with that gun in your hand? Coming up, I'm going to share with you probably my favorite debut single from a band. And no, it's not Kiss. It was released in 1978, February 10th to be exact. Who is it? It's my final cut and it's coming up. You're listening to The Right Side of Rock with Nick Summers. The debut studio album by this American hard rock band was released February 10th, 1978. Huge commercial success. The album peaked at number 19 on the U.S. Billboard 200, sold more than 10 million copies. They received a diamond certification by the RIAA, and it was received pretty well by the general public, making it one of the best-selling albums in the United States. The album contains some of the band's most well-known songs, including a cover song, which kind of had an instrumental opening, sort of. It was the song, or the performance, that came before this song, their debut single. That's the one that got everyone's attention. It's widely regarded as one of the greatest guitar solos of all time and helped put this guy on the map. You have to know who I'm talking about. Yes, it's Van Halen. (laughs) 
first album many call it van halen one but it's self-titled and the first single was their cover of the kinks you really got me released in january of 1978 the album was released a month later it's not really considered the intro it has its own separate track number on the album but years later pretty much every time you hear you really got me from van halen classic rock radio stations will include eruption as the intro as it should be, in my opinion. It's my final cut. The right side of rock. Here's the final cut. Right Side of Rock with Nick Summers. 